Welcome to The Exchange, a podcast from Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. In this podcast, we examine the world through a grace perspective and connect biblical truth in everyday life. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Exchange Podcast. My name is Nolan Smith, your host. I am the high school and college pastor here at Grace Church. Thanks for joining us this week. I uh, want to remind everyone before we jump into the episode, we have a, an email address where you can send questions or future topics that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast. So that, that email address is exchange at gracechurch.com exchange at gracechurch.com. So uh, today I have with me Caleb Lavelle. Caleb, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, High school and middle school pastor here at Grace Church. So you and I have worked alongside each other a whole lot over the past few years. Mm -hmm. One thing that we did few years ago, it's, it's been what? Well, I guess it's only been a year. I don't think, yeah, it's, it just I think it's last, just been a year. Last summer, we did uh-huh. we did a series with Josh Fernberg, our children's pastor, called Discipleship in the Digital Age. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to touch on, really, a lot of things that, that we may have touched on in that series. So for anybody that's interested, I did want to go ahead and tell our listeners that that series is available. That was a series we did... Uh, it was geared towards parents and grandparents and anybody who works with teens and young people who want to, you know, better navigate the the digital world for yeah. lack of a, a better phrase. Um, and so we we did some uh, information and then we did some sort of equipping of what it, you know some some suggestions for how to navigate those things. Anyways, that that series is available if you go to our church website. Click on the Ministries tab, and then you'll see in that drop-down menu, Biblical and Topical Studies. Click on that, and then there's there's another menu on that page that, that says, uh, it's like another drop-down menu. You click on Audio Recordings, um, and then you'll see, it's one of the first ones listed on there, I believe. It's Discipleship in the Digital Age. So for any of our listeners that want to go back and listen to that, you can do that uh, at our church website there. So with that, we're going we're gonna to talk... The digital world, right? That's just mm-hmm. something that um, that really dominates our life um, right now, and and especially now that everybody's stuck at home and in quarantine. Yeah. So, uh, I want to start with we're, we're going to really just kind of assess the digital world first, yeah. and to, and what we're what we're talking about when we say the digital world. And so, um, we're going to talk about our perspective as youth pastors and and you know, the things that we see in the lives of our teenagers. But for you personally, mm-hmm. for Caleb Lavelle, how, how do you assess your your level of engagement with social media and something like, let's say, your dependency on it? Yeah. My level of engagement is higher than it probably should be. Uh, I think that's a healthy place to start is admitting yeah. my own faults yeah. when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, if I didn't need social media for ministry, I've, I've been inclined to go ahead and delete it on my, and it's funny, actually, that dance too, a yeah. few days ago, I deleted Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. just because the, mm-hmm. during this quarantine, so just the amount of time I've spent on That's them. Right. Yeah. Um, so probably higher than it should be, my there. level of engagement. You know, I think about my family alone, and we, there's my wife, Holly, and my daughter, Millie, and Millie's not using any media right now. 
not? Y'all haven't gotten her Instagram account yet? We haven't set up that yet. It's going to wait a few weeks for that. But sure. uh, we have an iPad, two iPhones, mm-hmm. Apple TV, a Nintendo Switch, nice. two MacBooks, and a PC. So you think about just a husband and a wife, and we have all that yeah. smart technology and sure. those sort of things. We, we engage with it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when I think about my dependency up, upon it, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I depend on it too much except for ministry, except for yeah. work. Um, but I, I sure use it often. You don't have like a smart refrigerator? Yeah. The I don't Wi-Fi have a smart refrigerator. <laughs> I definitely don't have that. <laughs> I, I, my handles are missing on my refrigerator. I haven't oh. even put those things on. So, I, I, so no to the high-tech fridge. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we're in the same boat, Susan and I are. I mean, our kids obviously are too young to really have their own device. Now, yesterday is funny. Elliot did, she's three years old, and she did watch my iPad when we were, we had some guys working on our house doing some some stuff uh, in our living room and had to keep Elliot kind of busy and back in her room so she wouldn't come out and get in the way. And I gave her, I set her up with my iPad. So mm-hmm. she, she sat in her room and watched my iPad for a while. But we have... We each have an iPad. So use, we both use our iPads for work. Uh, we both have uh, MacBooks, iPhones. Um, you know, we use like an Amazon Fire Stick yeah. for TV. And uh, but we don't do you know. And it sounds like y'all don't either. We don't do like the smart home. No, we know, don't all do that stuff. Hey Alexa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't do. Yeah, we've we've not gone there, and I don't know that we will. Not that I'm against it. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. we that's that doesn't that's doesn't really appeal to me. Right. And so, um, yeah, so, so we're kind of in the same boat in that and, and everything you said about the whole, I mean, deleting, mm-hmm. I delete my app and then I have, yeah, I do that all the time. And Instagram's the big one. I, I used to do Twitter a lot, like yeah. from, from like college all through my twenties. Um, I, I was on Twitter a whole lot and, and for, for the most part, what I was using it for was like news and like football, like I, when I'd mm-hmm. watch football and, and just like see what the analysts and different people were talking about with football or whatever. But it, it was just, it, be, it became such a distraction. And then there's this level of like, tw- you know, Twitter especially has, and we'll talk kind of about these elements later, but Twitter doesn't have a lot of restrictions or really any on mm-hmm. the kind of content people can post. And so you come across stuff you you really know you don't want to be looking at. And mm-hmm. so, so for me, I deleted it. I, I gave a, a friend my, my login info and password and, and told him to change my password to lock me out. And I deleted the app. So, but, and that's been like, I think that's been like over a year or yeah, a year and a half, something like that. So I've been off that for a while, but Instagram, I, you know, I got off that for a while and Mm -hmm. then it's like, man, I I really need to use this for ministry. And I think, I think our students either for either of us, our students would say, we're not a socially social media active youth ministry where Mm -hmm. some youth ministries utilize it a ton I think neither one of us are, we're just, we're not good at it. We're not, right. it's not high on our priority list. And so I do kind of go back. I'm like, yeah, I do need it. Cause I need to like post when we're having mm-hmm. an event or whatever, but that's the only time I can really justify it. And then I go through those phases, like you said, where I'm like, this is just too much of a distraction yeah. and I'll delete it. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, okay, I exactly. Get it. And it, I hate that dance, but I, I've been there too. I do too, for sure. So, so then let's, let's talk about our students and our, our peers um, you know, as, as we think about kids that are in our ministry, middle school, high school, and then all the way up into or their, you know, what we would, I guess, call all the way up to like millennials, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think the experience 
Well, and I'll even I'll even kind of remove us and and set parse you and and me out from that. How do you think the the experience of like our students with technology growing up with it, having the the access they've had, you know, not knowing a world without it? Mm-hmm. How do you think that differs from like for for you for your experience, and then even even my experience? I'll share my my sort of perspective on that. But for you, what's the difference? Hmm. You know, I think about their world. Their world is so much bigger, you know, than than our their parents' worlds for mm-hmm. sure. When they were growing up, um, uh, their awareness of various topics and issues is broad. And many of these issues um, are things their parents wish that they weren't exposed to at such a young age. Um, I think about when I was in high school, and I was pretty much mostly concerned with sports and grades and and fun. Sure. I mean, that was that was. That's what I was concerned and about. And that fun was usually involved being in person with Correct. friends, right? Yes. I mean, I was hanging out with someone yep. almost every night of the week. Yep. Uh, now, that dynamic has changed a lot, which yeah. I'll, I'll get into, but um, those were my concerns. Mm-hmm. And their world, when they're on social media, it, it blows up. It's so much it's bigger. Um, but I think with those things, because there's they're opened up to so many more issues, their concerns mm-hmm. grow more, um, which... In turn, their worries grow as well. They're they're opened yes. up to a new world of issues. Their concerns grow. That increases their worry. There, there, there's lots of differences in experience. Um, that sure. results in a numbness uh, to a lot of these issues. I think a lack of uh, empathy mm-hmm. uh, because you scroll on and you, you read this big thing that's happened and then you keep scrolling right. and, and suddenly you find yourself becoming numb to it, lacking compassion sure. or empathy toward those things. Yeah. Um, you know that's funny when you, you talk about that, and we've we've had that conversation and, and talked about that, that that aspect of it. And I think about I don't know if you remember this, but like a long time ago, when you watched TV where there were commercials, you know, yeah, <laughs> there was the, there were always those commercials of the uh, the guy that was like in a third world country. And he had like the kids. Yep. He'd like have his arm around the kids, and he'd be talking about your donation can help yes. feed this child for so long, so, such and such. And like, or you've got the the ones where they play the songs as they Sarah walk Mc, through the Sarah McLaughlin song or something. Yes, like. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And and we would see those commercials like while we were watching TV, which even that in and of itself is such a different experience from what mm-hmm. our students have. But like, we'd watch those commercials, and we that was where we would be and. Of course, if you were a kid who grew up going to like church camp, you always had the compassion people oh, yeah. at church camp tell you about the same thing, uh-huh. like your donations can save this child or whatever. Which is, I'm, I don't mean to minimize it as I say it. I'm just saying that was the that was the whole like thing that you were being sort of mm-hmm. sold, I guess. And so you'd see this commercial, you know, for thirty seconds or a minute about these kids who were starving in Africa. And then it would go to the next commercial and, you know, you, you probably forgot about it, unfortunately, you know, and and for us, that was, that was like how we were exposed to like worldwide. Yeah, that's a good parallel. You know, worldwide Uh problems and suffering somewhere else in the world. I mean, you know, sure. When a, when a, when a tsunami hit, you know, Southeast Asia, and it devastated it. It was all over the news, and you'd see that. But just on a day-to-day basis... I probably wasn't sprinting into the living room and talking about, pause it, pause exactly, it. You know? Exactly, exactly. Like, so so on, a, on a day-to-day basis, you were... That was the exposure. And what you're describing with, with young people is like that experience 
every single time they scroll through their Correct. feed, something like that pops up, and, and, and they just keep going. It's really it's not just unique to students, right? Yeah, I think for sure. I think for adults sure. yeah, relate yeah, yeah. to everything we just talked about yeah. that numbness that that continuous scrolling Absolutely. you pass these issues you don't give them a second thought right you know no that's that's totally true i i just think you know there there is something to be said for for being conditioned like that at that yes, age for sure as a teenager so so the we, we've called it um compassion fatigue um where you 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 see so many things that pull at your heartstrings mm-hmm. that you just don't have any more compassion to give after yeah. the whole thing's over. And so when you see that over and over, maybe everybody's just suffering from like an empty tank of yeah. compassion. Like they just, I, I'm just overexposed to things that, that ask for my sympathy and my mm-hmm. help that I just, I don't have the the sort of emotional energy to give every yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. So, so what, what do you think, um, what do you think are the apps or the activities that involve technology that are most common amongst our, so I, I, I mm-hmm. wanted to expand it beyond just social media apps, but just like use of technology, where do you, where do you see our students and your students in middle school spending the most time? That's ironic because I do think it is social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they spend, you know, middle school and high school differ a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think if you think in terms of middle schoolers, it's probably more YouTube mm-hmm. than anything else because they're given permission to get on YouTube and watch videos, but they but they may not have access to something like Snapchat. Yeah. Um, but YouTube, there's you, there's Snapchat, uh, which is predominantly for high schoolers mm-hmm. and college students. Um, yeah. Snapchat, there's TikTok, which is relatively new. That was yeah. previously Musically, if y'all know what that is. Um, yeah, we'll TikToks. Talk, that's yeah. that's we'll talk none more about of, it. I'm not a big fan of Snapchat or TikTok. No. Um, or Instagram, not, which is the next not, one. Neither am I. Uh, there's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's Facebook. I would say those are the big ones. YouTube, yep. Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, yep. and Facebook. Facebook being used the probably the least. Yep, that's become um, the, the quote-unquote old, right. old people, uh, which would include me. I would <laughs> say Snapchat... Snapchat and Instagram being used the most. Yeah. In fact, that's we did those student surveys not too long ago, and that yeah, we'll would, get into that. Yeah, that show, showed that yeah. Snapchat and Instagram were used the most often. Yeah. Um, so, so what when you think about all those apps and 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 I, you know, one other thing I'd add to that is the video game aspect. You know, yeah. there's, there's like there's going to be parents listening to this that are going to going to say, yeah, what about all the screen, that's a great what, point. What about all the screen time my kid spends yes. with? with, you know, gaming. And what's so funny to me about that, you know, we, I think 20 years ago, we could have seen, we could have looked in the future and seen video games being a huge part Mm -hmm. of our culture. I don't, that's not surprising. I mean, I remember, you know, in the early nineties, I was playing Super Mario on Nintendo and Duck Hunt Mm -hmm. and those, those old Nintendo games. Uh, And we always, we knew they were just going to get more advanced and more interactive. And so, and there's no surprise to the the whole video games are popular thing. What does surprise me is the way that that young people engage with video games because they're not just playing video games. Uh, and and it, you know, thinking back to you know 20, 30 years ago, looking ahead at the future of video games, I think anybody would have said, yeah, they're going to get more advanced, and virtual reality is going to be a big facet to it. Yeah. That you're going to like put on a headset and 
you're going to, you know, have this crazy high tech experience, which that kind of is a thing now, but not nearly probably to the extent that we would have expected. But what they wouldn't have seen is Twitch and these yeah, these that's things a, where students watch mm-hmm. other people play, play video games. Video games. Yeah. Well, not students, but like people. When people oh, not not only watch them, donate to those people. Yes. You, like like they, pay them. Uh, yes. And and if you if you watch Twitch, they'll have a they'll have a donations column, mm-hmm. they'll have a messages column, yep. and he'll they'll periodically say, Oh, thank you, username. Yeah. Uh, for for the ten dollar donation for nothing except playing video games. And then to sh- get a shout out Correct. probably on that. Yeah. Which, and, and I'm going to be clear, if anybody's going, well, Nolan, what is Twitch? I don't know. <laughs> like that, I don't, I truly, I've never, I don't. I've used Twitch for uh, fantasy football. Have you? <laughs> I've never, I've never logged on. I've never seen their website. never yeah. seen the app. So I, I don't even know what it looks like. I just, I've, I've heard just about it. Just live streaming. So, it, but it's this, it's this thing where people watch other people play video And games. I say that as if I know a lot about it. There's yeah. probably people yeah. out there that use it all the time. Yeah. Like, Caleb, you have no yeah, idea. Yeah, you're not talking about it, right? Yeah. But, but. That to me is is another one that I think is really, really has to be brought up in that. Yeah, that's a good one to bring up. That video game playing video games, you know, students spend a lot of time. Our students and and in general teenagers spend a lot of time with their friends, quote unquote, with their friends mm-hmm. on video games. Where again, when we were growing up, if you played video games with your friends, it meant you were in the same room together. That is now playing video true. games together. You do that from your own bedroom, living room, whatever, and you're on a headset talking to other people, mm-hmm. you know, online. And they, to them, that is an experience of quote unquote hanging out with their friends. That was yeah. not hanging out with your friends when we were growing up, yeah. but that's very much a part of their yeah. reality. So, uh, given all of those things, the the apps and the the video games and all of that, what are some of the trends? or the effects that you have maybe personally seen in the lives of teenagers, uh, you know, just results of, of teenagers growing up in that reality, smartphones and social media and gaming. During the quarantine, whenever we've seen students over the period of the, you know, the past three or four months, and you ask them, what have you been up to? What do you hear them say? You, you hear them say, not much, and I'm bored. You know, one of the trends and effects is, I think, with the usage of social media, with the usage of uh, video games, with the increasing amount of screen time, there is an increasing amount of boredom, intense boredom. They don't know what to do when things get quiet. Uh, now, I can relate to this uh, just because I like being active. I want to do things. And uh, I struggle to give myself time to be in solitude and quiet and to think. Um, but I think there is a trend of boredom for sure. sure. Um, There's mental health issues. You know, it shows you can look at the statistics that shows the increasing usage of those that use social media the most often Mm -hmm. uh, have, have an increasing amount of anxiety uh, and or depression. Absolutely. Um, And so there, there is this trend of of mental health issues as the, as the usage of social media increases. Sure. Uh, there's FOMO, there's fear of missing out, oh, you know, and, and I think that's tied to to mental health, you know, tied to anxiety and, and maybe some, which anxiety involves self-deprecation, but these mm-hmm. different things that there's this fear of missing out all of the time. I think there's a loss of authenticity um, of you paint the best picture for everyone to see. And when you hang out with your friends, you're scared to reveal too much in fear of them using it against you at some point later yeah. in life. Oh, man. You're so right. Um, 
I think there's a greater need for validation because of comparison. Whenever you're on social media and you can look at what your friends are doing, you can see how many clicks and views and likes they're getting, that, that sparks something in your mind to want to post and see how much validation you can also get mm -hmm. uh, to, to make sure, okay, I'm doing okay, people still like me. Um, it, I couldn't imagine growing up in that, in, in that no. because I am a people pleaser. Yeah. I'm naturally that. And so if I was bent to check those likes and to mm -hmm. put, you know, give those things value, yeah. man, uh, that'd be tough. So there's two, there's two of those that I want you to expand on real quick. Number one is the FOMO and the fear mm -hmm. of missing out. Now, anybody, especially uh, us extroverts, yeah. anybody is is prone to some fear of missing out, right? So so that's right. a, that's that's not specific to to the generation we're talking about. So so why? Tell me why it's different for them and how, how the social media plays on that and, yeah. and sort of inflames that. You know, I, I just think of a few examples on Instagram. If anyone's friends has a birthday, mm -hmm. they post it on their story and they give a post. Yes. Happy birthday to at whoever. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone can see it. Well, okay, that person gave that specific person a happy birthday shout out. And they were so excited to, to go to your birthday party tonight. They're posting pictures of swimming that evening. Yes. And so there's this, there's this thought in the back of your head of why did they not invite yeah, why me? Why am I not there? You know, why am I not included? Uh, I, I've hung out with them on a regular basis, but I'm, I'm, not, mm. I'm not there at this moment. That Most of my friends are what's going on. Yeah. And that happens all the time. Mm. Um, this, this fear of not being included. And that leads into... I'm not exactly who I thought I was. Yes, I'm questioning not, yes. your relationships and your identity. Yeah, it, it definitely you definitely question your identity. That we'll, man, the, maybe I'm not as fun as I as mm -hmm. I thought I was to hang out with. Right. People don't enjoy spending time with me, right. and that leads into anxiety, and that leads into self deprecation, and and it's it's this, and it's yeah. not something that they get a break from either. It's not something that they right they feel that on a Monday and then they haven't seen or thought about it again till Friday or whatever. Like yeah. That's that's something that just they don't ever get the chance to recover from it mm -hmm. because then it happens again the next day or later that same day, right? Over and over and over again. So so yes, the FOMO is a big one, and I'll, I'll add on to that the, the Snapchat feature. And again, mm -hmm. we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about some of these apps here in just a second. But the Snapchat Snapchat feature where you, you know, I was talking to a, a, a parent yesterday, I think about this, and Snap, you know, any any app can be worked around with the, the navigation feature. You can go into your smartphone and turn off your your tracking settings, mm -hmm. you know, and some people say you should do that anyway just so that, you know, different agencies yeah. don't have access this to is your, a good all, your, point. all your personal information or whatever. Snapchat has set it up in such a way that you don't want to turn off your... You can see where they're at. You don't... It, it's You become sort of whatever so, a social outcast. You be It's lame or uncool or whatever to turn off your tracking feature because you want your little icon yeah. on the map. And yeah. so you want people to be able to see where you are. And it's it, what's crazy is Snapchat has just, they have created that sort of economy, that social economy to where, yes, it's, it's probably wiser and better to turn that off, to turn that feature off. But Snapchat's made it uncool to do that so that everybody has their location tracking on. Yep. And then they have like a map that you click over to in your Snapchat app. Again, this is another app that I'm almost entirely unfamiliar with and from personal experience. But 
you go to this map feature and you can see where all of your friends are Wait, at that time. This is a separate app? No, this, this is within map? Snapchat. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's you a can, feature, okay. feature within yeah. Snapchat that you go and you look at the map in your Snapchat app and you can see where all your friends are at the same time. You can see who's hanging out with whom. And so, th- yeah, so you zoom in, you know, on a cluster of friends and you're like, oh, they're all at that one house yep. and I'm not. So not only are they seeing the birthday parties that they're not at when people post on Instagram, but say people are hanging out somewhere and they're not posting pictures of it, mm-hmm. you're still going to be able to see where they are and you're going to wonder why am I not there. Yeah. So it's a huge one that we who don't have those things and don't engage in those apps don't fully appreciate and comprehend because it's just so different mm-hmm. to, to be in that. The other thing, though, that you talked about was the authenticity and the lack thereof. Yeah. So, and you, you kind of touched on this real quickly, but I want you to expand on what you said about why, why students and teenagers are, are less inclined to be authentic. Yeah, I think there's a legitimate fear of of your authentic self being condemned or judged or used against you, and why do you later say that? on? Um, because because they're so connected using all these different social media apps, mm-hmm. it doesn't take but a second mm-hmm. to use said uh, personal struggles to to use said uh, thing that was just shared in confidentiality to to share it with other people because there's an OMG, I can't believe this just found this out. It's like on the record, too. Correct. Because it's in a text message, maybe to a friend. Yeah. Which is what we're describing. These these personal moments of uh, vulnerability. Yeah. They happen on the record now Mm -hmm. because it's all in a in an app somewhere or in a text message. And so so they're inclined to to say and and do what they think is is smiled upon, you know, is is what they ought to do. Is puts on this face and yes. and talks in a certain way that they think that's okay. That that there's no tension here. Mm-hmm. I'm not being too vulnerable. That might make them feel uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. Um, so I need to, you know, there's this perfect balance, and they're trying to figure those things out. Um, so yes, and I've seen and and talked with students who've had the experience of ev- even closest friends are. Or have the have the capacity and the potential of taking something you said in a private text message and using it against you, and and that's a common practice to the to the point where a lot of a lot of teenagers expect their friends at some point to what we would say stab them in the yeah. back, yeah, right to take some such piece, a sad reality it is, you know, and to take some piece of personal information that you shared with somebody in a moment of vulnerability, which being vulnerable is not only okay, it's actually good. To, to We need that as human beings. We need the opportunity to be vulnerable and for other people to see us for who we really are and then accept us so that we can have those authentic connections and, and relationships. And And teenagers are increasingly being told through those experiences that you can't be authentic with anyone and you can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a huge c- contributor to the anxiety that we talk about among young people is that they, they feel anxious because they, they don't think they can trust anyone. There's such a need to define what an authentic friend is. And just, I'm not saying here, but in conversations yes. with students and, and your children, yes. there is, so they know what does is, what is an authentic, real mm-hmm. friendship look like? I think point. there's been such a loss of um, of 
intimate friendships where they where they know you deeply yet they still love you. You know, it's you that idea that them, yeah. uh, I know. <laughs> What what what's part of what draws me to Christ? Well, he I know that Christ knows me deeper than mm-hmm. anyone in this world. He knows every right. little thing about me, and yet he loves me even so. Mm-hmm. You know, and you take that idea and you can apply it to friendships. I know Holly deeply, deeply, and I love her because of it. And so there's these authentic friendships. The deeper you know someone, and the, and you see that person still love you. Yes. You know, there's that authenticity. Mm-hmm. There's it's more real. Trust. There's yeah. more trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement in terms of the, those sort of detrimental effects, and uh, and so you know what if there's anything else that we haven't mentioned in that in talking about those effects, are there any other aspects of social media and technology, smart technology, smartphones, all those things that give you pause or cause you sort of uneasiness? Hmm. We, you know, something I've already said, but it does cause me to be humble enough to admit my own dependence upon it yes. at various points in my life, and yeah. that can be uncomfortable. That can mm-hmm. cause uh, me to to pause uh, because it's uncomfortable looking inward and acknowledging your own shortcomings mm-hmm. when it comes to this exact topic. Um, so that's that certainly can cause uneasiness, uh, but I think it's valuable to do that mm-hmm. to do some introspection. Um, I also Definitely. think being that in this. From Pew Research, 72% of all Americans engage with social media. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, t- you're touching on a topic that deeply affects about three quarters of the entire nation. So I think there is this, it does give me pause to touch on a topic that affects so many different yeah. people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you said as soon as you said that Pew Research, yeah. and then you said that. I saw that, you smile. It's because I was the next, uh, there was one part of this whole interview that I was not going to tell you about until we got into the conversation oh, wow. so I could like at, like yeah. ask you some questions okay. and have you kind of like guess the answers. Was and that one of them? The very first one, the, the next thing I was going to talk about, <laughs> the very first question was how many adults, U.S. adults, that is say hilarious. That from, from Pew Research, <laughs> say that they, that they have at least one social But that's why it makes app. it touchy is because so many people You're use right. it. There's this, there's this idea yeah. of... I've, you've got to be careful in your approach to it, because I think with all things and being Grace Church, we yeah. want to err on the side of the uh, of grace in yep. the way that we, which Jeff Metter said once, is not erring. Mm-hmm. If you err on the side of right. grace, you're not really yeah, erring. So but um, you want to approach these things with grace, especially with a topic that affects so many people. Right. Um, and anyways, well, so. to get into so I, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you some questions and just see <laughs> I was gonna have you sort of yeah. guess the answers and and. So that that was going to be the first one, but I'll I'll even I probably would have guessed more than that had you really? asked me that I think so yeah. I'll, I'll roll this one into it, which was going to be the next thing that I was going to touch on or the one of the next things. Um, do you do you are you aware of the origins of the like for example Facebook? I mean maybe you've seen like Social Network. Do you yes. remember why they started Facebook? Uh, is that the college app that was supposed to hook people up? Basically, it was, it was actually yes. It was it was started, and if you if you watch the Social Network with, I mean, it wasn't wholesome, right? No, but that, it, it, <laughs> the it origins not. of it. Yeah. And and I think this part was pretty. Ac- I mean, I think most of the Social Network was pretty accurate to how it all unfolded. It's but funny, I just watched that movie. Probably it's a great movie. Months ago. I watched is, it during quarantine. I know it's Aaron Sorkin. So, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's uh, but but you know the the original use for this app that they created or the site was that they could th- these 
kind of frat boy, you know, Harvard college guys could compare girls. That's right. Attractiveness one against the other. And so they would just post faces of girls on campus and you guys would vote on which one was more attractive. Yeah. And and you think about that being the the origin of Facebook and sure Facebook helps connect people. There are some I'm not saying there's no positive sides to it. But I to me that's really telling as far as that that was the 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 reason that it started. Now I don't I don't know the same similar to Snapchat. I was going to say you know, the next one was Snapchat, and I don't know the same level of detail in terms of how it was created, yeah. who created, it and all that. It's not a movie based off, right? <laughs> but but I, you know, they do have their. When I remember when Snapchat was first gaining popularity, it was it was sort of advertised as the app that that the picture that you would take and send to somebody else would disappear after ten seconds. Mm-hmm. And there was there was it was not subtle in terms of what that was about. You know, that was not like a oh, this is like so you can just have fun with taking pictures and it was like it's this idea that your secrets are safe because they'll exactly. go away. Exactly. You can do all the bad stuff that you do or the stuff that you don't want anybody to know about, but you do want to engage in, you can do it and then it'll be erased from quote unquote right. history, which is the same thing we were talking about a minute ago. Until where, you see that where, screenshot taken. Exactly. You know? Like where people People want to feel safe and they want to be able to be vulnerable with someone, but vulnerability on the record is is super dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Snapchat was just inviting people to have their vulnerable moments on their app. Yep. <laughs> and then saying, We'll we'll keep it safe for you by deleting it. But they couldn't stop and they knew this. They couldn't stop people from like screenshotting whatever you were sending. Yeah. And so so Snapchat has a really sinister beginning too. Now, TikTok, I'm not I'm also not super familiar with TikTok. I never had the Musically app. And I remember when people talked about it it was like, "Oh, you just record yourself singing and you can sing with somebody else." A lot of people compare it to the old Vine. Yeah, but well that's what and that's what it morphed into. I I was it I don't even think it was video at first, was it? Wasn't it just singing like it was just an audio? Musically, I don't I I I remember Musically being video because I remember being the fifth and sixth grade director yeah. up here, where you know okay. we're in the loft right now, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and walking down the hall and seeing several girls doing it and asking okay. about the app, and it was musically at the time gotcha. they're filming themselves. So, so either way, it, it became TikTok, and now TikTok is this app where people record short videos of themselves doing really anything, but but kind of originally it was a da- dancing to a certain song, and I think a lot of it still is. Dancing and so and you so, these. so people talk about TikTok dances and yep. that's what they're referring to as a as a whatever popular dance everyone's doing on TikTok and I gotta say I'm not you know I I'm, I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt so I'm not gonna say I'm I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt I don't think any app developers really deserve deserve that given what we talked about with Facebook and Snapchat but I have seen enough and I and I don't have TikTok um, and I never will. But I've seen enough TikTok videos uh, and and seen our students t- our students tell us, oh yeah, here's this this is the new TikTok dance or whatever. And I've seen enough of the dances and enough of the videos to to say, you know what? There's a common theme here. Most of these dances seem very intentionally choreographed to feature all of the worst things mm-hmm. that you don't want a student yeah. doing, you know, on video, right? Um, and 
so if I can, I don't want to go into too much detail, but that's, you know, I think it's, to me, it's not real subtle. It's like TikTok is, is a way to get people to display themselves yep. in ways that I don't find. And, and a, it, just like all these other platforms, a way to validate yourself. Exactly. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't, but two weeks ago when I was hanging out with the high schoolers and they were talking about, I've had this many views on TikTok. Yes. How many, oh, and they were going back and forth this debate of yes. who has the more views and, and I don't know what um, the li- if you showed me the list of the top 10 most famous TikTok users I I I could oh, have no idea I couldn't name any of them but I would bet you money based on what I've seen that they'd mostly be like teenage girls yeah you know what I mean there's this desire to go viral and exactly. I think that applies to a lot of these different exactly. things but I I was taking a doing a TikTok video with some of the students at uh-huh. uh, on a Wednesday night and they're like, oh, come here. Youth pastors always go viral or something <laughs> like that. And there, but yeah. the point was there's this inherent yes. desire to, to get go popular. viral, to get yeah. popular, you know. Yeah. To, and um, the tension that we're walking and when you're having a student, you know, hey, come jump in our TikTok video. The tension that we walk is we, we don't – we would neither one of us would recommend students engaging no. in this. And yet at the same time – it's an opportunity when they do invite us in to, to yeah. meet them where they are. And exactly. so we, we walk that tension. It would have been very uncomfortable if I stopped and said, yeah, well, hey, like, no, sit you down with be on me TikTok. and let me tell you why TikTok exactly. is exactly. <laughs> and, and same thing with Instagram, which is what we talked about earlier. And like sometimes we delete the app and get off of it altogether. Right. It's like yeah. that tension of, I, I and look, my students, they laugh all the time at like, as soon as social media comes up, they're like, hey, no one's going to tell you to get get rid of social media, you know, and they kind of roll their eyes and laugh about it. Um. And so I, I, you know, on the one hand, will encourage students, hey, spend less time on social media. Don't be afraid of deleting it. You know, it's not the end of the world, but, like, it's, here's the detrimental effects. But at the same time, I, I recognize their hesitation to do that and the fact that, look, in reality, if I want to minister to students, i got to meet them there. The more I've thought on this issue, and this is, doesn't have to do with, the next question or anything, but um, when even when we encourage students to to take a break, you know, remove that from your phone for a time. I'd encourage you to delete it. You know, things like that. It's interesting that you they're essentially removing the second world from their life. You know, it's mm-hmm. it blows my mind to think that there's this life they live here. You know, in, yep. in, a, in a typical year, going to school each day, playing sports after school, et cetera, et cetera. And there is a whole nother life lived in social media, right. in, on video games. Right. And it's just that that whole topic, it, it's a little weird, mm-hmm. uh, scary, uncomfortable. Yes. Um, but that that's interesting. There's this whole nother world that these students yeah. are living yeah. in. That, um, that parents will have often have a real hard time wrapping their minds yeah, around it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to ask some questions now. And this is the sort of trivia. Oh, okay, this is great. like the trivia part for you. The, you I got the, this. These are not questions that you knew about before this. So I wanted to ask these. You know, and, I'll, and, and the, you use the the uh, U.S. adults, 72% of U.S. adults have at least one yep. social media. Do, that from... 2005, when the data started. Okay. Do you remember when you saw that? Do you remember what it started at in 2005? So, so f- over the course of 15 years, it's it's up to 72 percent. Do you remember where it started? Goodness, 20 uh, percent? No, five percent. Wow. 2005. Five no, percent of U.S. adults, and think like, 15 years ago, but it also doesn't feel that long ago. But that's five percent of you, like. The world we live in now, 
it's just so hard to imagine one in 20 adults using social media. Wow. And that was 15 years ago. And now it's 72%. And that was before the iPhone came out. Right, it was. It's interesting. So what percentage of, and this is still from the Pew Research, um, on on U.S. adults specifically. We've got U.S. teens here in a second. U.S. adults. What percentage of 18 to 29-year-olds use at least one social media site or app? Oh, man. 95%. It's a good guess. 90, okay. 90%. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, 90% of 18 to 29-year-olds use at least one social... Which, actually, I agree. It kind of feels a little low. Mm-hmm. I'd actually go a little higher than that. What social media sites do you think are the top three most popular among U.S. Hmm. adults? Okay. So, that's not just teens. Right. All right. In fact, not teens at all. They're not included. Oh. In oh, goodness. Well, that... I think that changes. So, I think this is like 18. Yeah, it's not uh, Snapchat. Uh, top three. Or top two, would you ask? Three, yeah. Three, okay. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you may not have maybe you may not have been thinking of oh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. there you go. Yeah, okay. that's right. So you're right. So YouTube, seventy three percent of you of adults say they use YouTube. Okay. Sixty nine percent of adults use Facebook, so that's number mm-hmm. two. And then thirty seven percent of adults have okay. Instagram. So those are the those are the top three among adults. Uh, what percentage of Facebook users say they check it daily. Huh. So 69% of, so basically seven... 69% of U.S. adults have Facebook. Facebook. So basically seven in 10 U.S. adults have Facebook. How many of them check it daily? How many of them check it daily? Um, goodness. 70%? 74%. Okay. Yeah. So... You think about that, that comes out to probably right around five out of ten adults wow. altogether check Facebook daily. So it's pretty crazy. Something like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's real crazy. Okay. Now we're gonna talk about teens for a second. I've got a couple okay. questions on teens. So same same question as as the one with the adults. Which social media sites do you think are the top three most popular among US teens? Okay. I'm gonna say Instagram is up there. YouTube. Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. Yes. Okay. YouTube, 85%. Wow. Yeah. Instagram, 72%. So more teens use Instagram than adults use Facebook, Mm. which is a lot. Yeah. And then Snapchat, 69%. So... I mean, wow. again, seven and ten. And that teams correlates with the student surveys that you we, know, we that we've that seen. We had. So yeah, which is the next thing I was getting into. Now, did you have you looked at the Grace Church? We the surveys that we did recently. Have you looked at those? Uh, I looked at the ones I've I've cited so okay. far. Okay, is this going to mess up your question? No, I just okay. was curious if you if you had looked at that recently. Okay. So to, for the listeners who aren't aware of what we're talking about, we we took surveys of our students. This was what last summer, right before I think it was like May of 2018 probably, yeah. mm-hmm. or 19, 2019, when we were collecting yeah. data on our own That's right. group for, for the series we did. Um, do you remember what, what percentage of, this is, again, Grace Church students specifically, do you remember what percentage of our students said they check their phones first thing in the morning most of the oh, time? Oh, goodness, percentage. <laughs> I'm thinking about adults even yes. probably do this, yes. but our our students, I would say, at least ninety percent. It was seventy eight percent. What? Yeah, really? 78%. That's low. To, I 
I think some of these students were like, I, I want to look I kind of I, good. I agree. They didn't, I can't tell them everything. They I didn't do. want to be completely, because yeah. I, I, I agree. But, you know, the, the one, when we talk about the ones checking their phone first thing in the morning, we had some students tell us, you know, aside, you know, from the, from the survey, that they sleep with their phones under their pillows. Oh, goodness. And I can't tell you how, how horrible I think that is. Like, I, every time a student has said that to me, I'm like, don't, don't stop s- doing that. Don't sleep with a, <laughs> an electronic brick underneath uh-huh. your head. Like, please move that, that with the Wi Fi and Bluetooth signal. Yes. Don't, not next to your brain all night long. Goodness. Um, yeah. So, uh, fear of missing out. Yes. Yeah. Gotta exactly. feel if it, what if someone wants to get a hold what of me? Someone, yeah, exactly. Um, more, uh, sorry. Um, how many, how many do you think said they spend more than six hours a day on their screen? This is high school students, more than six hours a day on screens. Mm. More than six hours a day. How many or what percentage? What percentage? Uh, roughly. Probably 50 to 60%. Yes. Yeah. It was, okay. it was in the fifties. Was it? So, okay. Yeah, it was more than half of our students said that they spent more than six I'm, hours. I'm going lower now because of yeah. that first question. Right. Uh, how many, because I've read other statistics that say the average student looks at their, well, looks at screens for eight plus hours a day, you know, so that, that seems a little low. Yeah. Uh, of our students, how many believe that social media causes unnecessary anxiety in their lives? Hmm. 80%. Yeah. It was more than three quarters. Yeah. I, was, I, I didn't look at the exact number, but I looked at our summary. This is from our summary. So more than three quarters. So yeah, probably mm-hmm. about 80% of our students believe social media causes unnecessary anxiety. I know lives. I've never had a conversation with a student about social media and anxiety, and they have not confirmed that. Yes. Um, almost every student I've talked to has confirmed that. Yes. That. What percentage of high schoolers say their parents do little or no supervising of their screen usage? Hmm. Fifty percent. Sixty-one percent. Wow. Sixty-one percent of our students said that their high that their parents do little or no supervising their yeah. screens. Uh, and I hope that so far what we've said will convince parents who don't <laughs> supervise their kids right. to do so. Exactly. Uh, okay. And these are the ones that really, this is where I get real upset about social media and where I, I would kind of lose all faith. I know where you're going in the whole thing. Cause Uh, I remember this question. How many of our high school girls Mm -hmm. report being asked for a picture they deemed inappropriate? Um, what percentage? 40%. Three quarters. Okay. Wow, seventy-five percent of our high school girls, and that correlates, I think, with with the pretty I, much with the average. It's pretty, it's pretty um, on par for the average, maybe even a little low. But at, at our own church, with it's sad, it is, it is. Um, but gr- three quarters of of our girls, and that does do. show the the need for parents to come alongside their yes. Their, their students and in, in within these platforms and and within that group the the girls who have been asked half of them report that they've been they've been asked more than five times wow that it's a it's a constant repeated thing that these guys feel that it's okay that to, to, that to, right there is maybe the most infuriating thing mm-hmm. about the world that our teenagers live in that's different from what we lived in is the 
the social norms of how 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 young people can talk to each other and interact with each other, mm-hmm. and it's it's socially acceptable. Isn't it interesting that there's a fear of being authentic, but they're willing to ask a question like that? Mm-hmm. You know, but show me that side of you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to share anything else with you, and you don't mm-hmm. share anything with me. But show me that side mm-hmm. of you. You know, that's terrible. Yes. It's, yes. Well, our when a culture esteems sex to the extent that yeah. ours does, then it becomes yes, yeah. it becomes that way. Um, yeah, I, and I've had I've had girls who have told me high school girls who have told me that it's not uncommon for guys to like grab them in the hallway like in sexually mm-hmm. inappropriate ways, and there's nothing that you know they'll be walking down the hall and the guy will do that and they don't know who did it necessarily. Yeah, or it happens so so often that it's not it feels like it's not worth reporting. Wow. Um, and and they tell me that, and I'm just like that. That's unbelievable, and and, and and so horrible. Yeah. But I, you know, I I read a book on this, you know, and, and it was the one that I read when we were doing our research, and we all each kind of read different books. I read a, a book called American Girls, and it was a it was written by a New York Times columnist who uh, who interviewed girls all over the country over the span of like three years, and was just asking girls about their experiences, and what I what I read in that and how I processed through that, you know, girls today are at such a disadvantage socially because they, they walk when they, when a girl goes to her school and most, most schools that our high schoolers are at, this is, this is the case. When a girl walks into school, she's at a place now where any guy could ask her for a picture of herself, an inappropriate picture of herself. And there's, virtually feels like there's virtually no recourse for her to prevent that, to stop that from happening, to, to, uh, have him punished accordingly or whatever. And if she says no, and this was the, to me, this is one of the more shocking parts of this too. If she says no, mm-hmm. again, in their social world and, and the, uh, the social economy of, of where they live, now, what he'll do oftentimes... He's painted as the victim. Yes. You know? And yeah. he said, why are you being such a jerk about this? Yep. Right? And they have names that they call these girls who say no. Don't be like that. Um, or or if the girl gets offended, how dare you? He goes, relax, I'm just kidding, or something yeah. like that. And you're overreacting, and, and then girls get painted as the, as the sort of jerk in the mm-hmm. whole scenario, which is so twisted, twisted, infuriating. And that's to me, again, this is where I just absolutely get what a loss of a Christian angry. worldview, oh, you man. know, and, and how people view other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, and then the last stat that I was going to bring up from our Grace Church survey uh, was more, well, second to last, the, the more than a quarter of our high school guys say they've been sent an inappropriate picture without asking. Without asking. Without asking. Hmm. So not that's not including the ones who not you know, hope, hopefully we don't have very right. <laughs> very many who are asking, but without asking, a quarter of our guys have said they've been they've been sent. And I've and I've had conversations with guys like that who have said, Yeah, it's it was not uncommon for for a guy, you know, or for me to, to get something like that. Which is to me, man, I just, oh, like how broken would your would your relationships be <laughs> if you were in your high school and you knew like there were pictures of your classmates, the accessible pictures of them 
naked or whatever. My mind would not be in a, you, in how a do you have, place. Yeah, and how do you have a normal conversation right. with your peers yep. like that? You can't... So sexualized. You, it's so sexualized, and you can't have normal interactions, normal relationships. Yeah. It's just... There's just no chance in my mind of... of those being in any way healthy or normal relationships with your peers. And so, and this is within our walls. This is, I think, oftentimes exactly, exactly. parents read articles or books that talk a lot about these things and you think it's removed from yes. your kid's life. My kid goes, but to a lot, youth number group, one, a lot of happen. this is hidden. Number mm-hmm. two, it, it's within almost, probably every church's mm-hmm. walls in their youth group with mm-hmm. their students, um, with, their, with their students' friends. And that's, um, that was, that's what I would say to parents too is, when you're thinking that maybe that this is just out there, this is just in the extremes, I would say to have a smartphone or or at the very least to have social media mm-hmm. is to experience some of the any, at least one or two of these things we're talking about. Yeah. These you know being solicited or, or seeing or five something. Or six. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. You you, yeah. you know parents want to believe. I I think parents some parents want to believe that it my child, my high schooler can have this app and, and be responsible. And I, I certainly, I'm not saying there aren't kids who are responsible. There are, but there's, there's really no avoiding these things. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is such a prevalent reality that you just, you can't avoid it. So, you know, w- it, with all of this, we asked our students, why not just get rid of it? Why not just get rid of social media? And two thirds of our high school students say they would, they're afraid they they would delete. This is what the way that it was phrased was interesting. They would delete social media. They would delete social media if they weren't worried about missing out. Wow. On what their friends are saying or doing two thirds. Mm. Said it's purely that fear of missing out on what my friends are doing that's keeping me. What from, is everyone doing from deleting it? So, wow. So there it is. Hmm. So with all of that said, and we it's obviously a grim picture that that I, I don't like. I don't like any of that that we just talked mm-hmm. about, or especially those last few things that we talked about. Yeah. I don't like those things, and and they're you know they sort of bring down the mood and the conversation, but they're important and they're real. And if you know, if they're happening, we need to talk about them. We need to acknowledge that they're there. And if they're as dangerous as we all believe they are, and I don't think any anybody would hear those and not think there's danger and urgency in that. What can we do about it? You know, how do we yeah. navigate that? And so, so this, that's where we'll, we'll end. Is in, in what does it mean to respond and to navigate through that? What are some principles that you think would help a Christian navigate the digital world in yeah. a wise way? I think a word I'm about to say several times is just the word reflect. Okay. You know, after you've been using it, been browsing. Um, I think if if you post a lot, if you post pictures on Instagram. You Snapchat, you post on Facebook, whatever it looks like. Uh, reflect on the intent and heart behind your posts. You know, why Why did I choose to post that picture? Mm-hmm. Why Why did I do that? Just reflect on, on and depending on the answer to that question, yeah. choose maybe I should delete that or not post it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, reflect on the time you spend on media each day. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what causes me a lot of times to uh, go ahead and delete it yeah. for a time. Um and I think this is an important one. Reflect on your emotional state after browsing social media for, for a certain period of time. That's good. I have found so often when I've, when I've mindlessly browsed, mm-hmm. been, found myself in a Facebook or Instagram trap of... The uh, click hole. Yes, the click hole of, of video after video or picture after picture, post after post, articles. And I set my phone down and an hour has passed. 
my I, I am emotionally drained. Don't want to do hardly anything. I, I often leave sad or angry or. Oh yeah. I, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so reflecting on that state, and also I think asking yourself this question, and I understand this question I'm about to ask is one you can ask when it comes to pretty much anything. Okay. But I think it applies to this. In what way is this encouraging me in my walk with and trust in the Lord? And in what ways does this negatively affect my walk with God and pull my heart away from Him? You can apply that question to many sure. different activities, but I think it certainly applies uh, to social media as It's well. a good reflection, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, totally agree. I think that's that's a great a great way to think about it. I think you you for you that word is reflect for for me the word that i always come back to is discernment hmm. and just just using good judgment yeah. you know filtering your 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 actions and what you're go, what you're thinking about doing through a biblical lens and through what you know about Jesus and what he wants for you and wants you to do like how he wants you to live your life with how the bible calls us to live filtering your actions through that, your decisions through that and going how, you know, it's that, it's it's sort of like reflecting. It's just the idea of like, what, what am I going to, you know, tell people about myself when I do this? Mm -hmm. What, what is this going, what, what image is this going to give? What message is this going to send when I do this and using good discernment and, and being wise in the sense that, if I know whatever I'm about to post can can live on the internet forever, or respond to or respond to <laughs> yeah. yeah that what I'm about to post can live on the internet forever it can at any moment in time be used against me somehow and I hate that we have to think that it's way it's a digital rep- reputation it is it's a digital reputation that doesn't go away there's mm-hmm. always evidence of it again everything online is on the record you don't get to post anything off the record. You don't get to post anything privately because yeah. it's, there's a, always a quote-unquote paper trail, a digital paper trail. And so just use discernment. And will would this, would this ever reflect poorly on me or my family? You know, would, would this ever be something that a future employer yeah. or, a, you know, if I wanted to serve in ministry or, you know, whatever, would this ever be you know, seen as... And there are thousands of examples of interviews yeah. going bad because the employer checked the person's yep. Instagram or Facebook yep. and they didn't get the job because of it. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and what we're talking about, I think, is obviously we would want students, young people, we'd want our, our people in our ministry to, to use this. We're, I think in some ways what we're talking about really hits the adults a little bit harder because they get it and, and are a little more capable of thinking that way. The reality is teenagers, you know, discernment is hard for teenagers Mm -hmm. and that's sort of built into their brains. I mean, I, especially having been enveloped in the digital world exactly (laughs) that they've grown up in. And we've done a lot of research on teens. We've read books Mm -hmm. and psychological research and, um, and trying to understand the teenage brain and the the reality is their brains are wired differently from adults and they're you know people say they're not fully formed and that's that is true but they're also they're also you know growing and learning at paces that we're not you know comprehending it as adults i mean there's some really 
there's some really cool things that the teenage brain is capable of that right. the, the adult brain isn't. And one of the things that they're doing is they're they're intent. The way God wired us is to to sort of push boundaries and test, you know, to try and learn in order as part of learning. And mm-hmm. and you know, as children and teenagers, their brains are a lot more like sponges that absorb. But with that learning process and the ability to learn comes the sort of need to test things, right? To push limits. And that comes with risk, you know, a lot of risk. And that mm-hmm. te- that's why teenagers are more uh, uh, prone to risk, right? That they're more likely to do things that adults wouldn't because they're, they're learning and they're trying to... Yeah. F- they're trying to absorb information and figure things out, and that's going to mean I'm going to well, if, I want to know what that's what happens if I do that. And so teenagers are naturally going to do those things. So you think about that. You can't get mad at a teenager who makes a, a poor decision. I mean, you can, and and <laughs> in some cases, I, I, I get it. Yeah. But when you when you step back and you go, wait, this kid is is trying to learn, and they're trying to figure things out for themselves, and so they're testing things and they're you know, they're trying different things. They're taking some risks. You step back and you go, that makes sense. That's what they're going to do. So why do we put a device in their hands where they're invited constantly, solicited constantly to make bad decisions that will live on the internet forever? Yeah. If you, they already, before ever being given a device, kids already have a table full of opportunities to take risks in various places. Oh, you and I did. I mean, when we were teenagers, we did stupid stuff. And you give them a smartphone, you've added another table with another set of risks that they have an option, you know, to And this time, those those risks will live forever and have have consequences that can last literally the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, So anyways, you put all those things together and it's a sort of Molotov cocktail of, of, (laughs) you know, bad things happening, I guess. Right. Um, But let's, let's, in with this, you know, when, it, when we talk about parents and teenagers, I mean, we, you and I both have had a lot of conversations with parents, both in large group settings and in one-on-one settings where we talk to parents about right. a lot of different things, but I know social media comes up for both of us a lot. How, how would you adv- advise a parent of a teenager? Um, and, and let's just, you know, I, I I'm going to talk to Josh about this at some point yeah. and let him engage with this as well. And, and he can speak, you know, to the parents who are, you know, really in my position mm-hmm. where, where my kids are way too young for this stuff, but they'll get there. And so when we get to that stage, how do I handle it? So, so let's assume we're, we're past that stage when we're talking to parents, parents who've already given their kids phones, their kids already have, and maybe they already have social media accounts. How do you advise a parent of a teenager in that situation to navigate the the whole smartphone social media thing. Uh, number one, I think that um, their teenager more than likely wants their help. Uh, Glad you said that. In in some capacity, whether they outright say that or not, uh, you know. And I've told this I I told this story when we did discipleship in the digital digital age, but I'll tell it again. Just that um, I was at McAllister's eating with some of our students, asking them about. In, in this instance, it was Snapchat, just conversing about it. And she said this, quote-unquote, I wish my parents monitored my Snapchat because most of my mistakes have been because of it. Mm. There is this idea that... One of our students. Again, one of our students. Just want to reiterate that. There's this idea that there, there was little to no supervision, and she 
used, she took advantage of that, but she wishes there, there was more supervision. She wished that her parents did monitor more closely her activity on, on social media. And so it's important to note that your students do want your help, even if they're not coming out and saying that. Um, and so I think that, I think that should be encouraging to a lot of parents to know that if they are supervising their kids and they felt bad about it, they can rewind and say, okay, no, this is good. Um, but I want to follow that up with something. Supervision is good, but supervision with the intent of catching your student in the act, I don't think is, is good. Um, I I think there are conversations that need to be had along the way, uh, but I don't think you want to, you want to supervise to to catch them or to trap them. Um, I think that leads to that. What you're describing then is the sort of secretive, Right. I'm going to install the spyware maybe without telling my kid, or Correct. I'm going to check that your phone mm-hmm. when you don't know about it. It's that. You left your phone on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that, it's yeah. The, almost like the going behind their back yeah. method of, yeah. At least not, maybe doing those things if you tell them, hey, I want, I want to have, I want to know I'm giving you this smartphone, and you and I both have a relationship with this phone. I get to use it when you're not using it. You get to use it and take it with your friends, but know that I've accessed everything on here. You know, that's different uh, than, than secretly Agreed. Uh, trying to monitor it. And I get, you know, there's parents, and I've had conversations with parents who are worried about their child's safety, and then they'll, you know, they will check their phone without telling them. And I, that, look, I get it. That's, I'm not saying you can never do that, and if you ever do that, you're a bad parent. I, I'm not saying that at all, but what, what you and I are talking about, though, is when you're, when you're stepping into this or you're reevaluating things and you're going, okay, we want to get this right, we want to we do better, or whatever mm-hmm. that, that you know, point may be that you're coming to, we're talking about taking on a strategy, right? Like we're mm-hmm. talking about how to navigate this just moving forward, not like what do I do in this situation? So yeah. much as like, hey, your kid has a phone, they have social media, how can you best equip them and walk with them yeah. and guide them, parent them through that? Um, and, and I, so yes, I totally, I think that's so, everything you said is so, I think we, we've, especially just as a student ministry team, come to that conclusion together mm-hmm. and all, we all so agree on that. I think that you, you you don't I, we talk about that tension of like do i do i tell my students get rid of social media you know and if i'm going to take that stand then isn't it hypocritical for me to be on social media and and we're going well you know there is value to like seeing what they do and and where they that that world that they live in and so having social media like i can communicate with them there that's where they're going to be you know so we get that too and so i think for parents it's you know it can be measure measure the the level of safety and security you see in yeah. in whatever you're talking about so like if if there's an app and you're wondering like well I I don't want to just tell them to get rid of all their social media well do your research we're happy to provide what we can like you know and we've talked about a lot of it here but you know figure out what you're comfortable with right with your student or your your child being on and if, if you say you know what it's okay for them to have an instagram account as long as i can be you know have access to it as well the answers here are relative to exactly, each family exactly They're, they um, are and but, to each student but we're you know and we're talking about principles so 
what's a good principle to, to keep right. in mind as you develop your own plan. And I would, I think the principle of really to get to the, you know, just to, 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 you know, get to the point of what we're saying is the principle is you be in a relationship with your child as you do this and facilitate relationship as opposed to, uh, the watchdog, you know, Correct. mentality, the, I'm, I, I'm, you know, you better not because I'm watching instead do the, Hey, can I go there with you? And I have, you know, I have, what can I do? And I think you could make such a long list of things parents can do for their kids, mm-hmm. right? I, I turn it off during meal times, take away phone at 10 PM or at an agreed upon hour, place filters on their children's mm-hmm. iPhone, app blockers, Wi-Fi restraint, whatever that looks like. I think you could make the list really, really long, but at the end, I, I, I have, when you do those things, do all of it while clearly stating the purpose mm-hmm. of it, Yeah, you know, rather than here's what we're doing. Uh, I'm sorry, but that that's going to be the, mm-hmm. what we're going to do from here on yes. out. Instead yeah. of, hey, let, let's sit down, have a conversation. Here's why I want to take these yeah. steps. Communicate clearly. This is about you're, you're, you care for them and you want Correct. what's best for them. And I think you you use the story, and I think that's part of having that relationship with them along the way. You mm-hmm. you state those purposes. Yeah, you and you use that that really great story of the girl at McAllister saying, "I wish my parents monitored what I do." And I think the reality is, and I think there's parents that hear that and they they think, "Oh, that's great," and they also at the same time sort of roll their eyes like, "What kid ever says thanks for <laughs> thanks for giving me these rules?" Right. And that's true. I mean, kids. Kids don't show appreciation in the moment for like, oh, thanks for the boundaries. Thanks for right. It's ah, why are you making me do this? But we've we've seen that time and again, and the and the the research bears that out. That students or, or teenage adolescents feel they feel loved when somebody is giving them boundaries and rules. And mm-hmm. even if in the moment they're fighting against them, they recognize that this out is, of care and love. They for recognize them. this is a matter of somebody caring for me. So yeah. use, you know, take, you know, take the approach that you're, this is, you want to have a relationship with your child in this. You want to, uh, you want to go where they're going so you can, you can be a part of it, you know, and you can see it, but also because, and, and I've always tried to encourage parents who, who are giving their children what we would call accountability. I can see what's on your phone mm-hmm. at any time. I've got your passwords and your all yeah. that. When you do that, it's, I think it's really helpful if a child, if, if I'm talking to my child, I think it's really helpful for them to know I have this too. Right. You know, like your mom has my, I have a friend who knows what, what, what's going on in, in, on my phone. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I have friends who, who get reports on what's, what's on my right. device. My wife has access to my passwords so that she can log in anytime. She's not, you know, constantly trying to catch me doing anything, right. but that's so that I am never, you know, we're all human. And, mm-hmm. and even as adults, we need this support. We need these boundaries. We need help with this. It's just too dangerous of a world to, to, na- to navigate alone. Yeah. So for my child, I'm going to, I want to be that with you. I want to walk with you through this. There are people that do this with me, and, I, and as your parent, I'm going to do this with you, and I think that it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, yeah. that's we're going to wrap it up there. Um, thanks for jumping on here today, Caleb. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it's it. Fun. I think, I think the, you know, the the experience that we have with these students is always, um, I think, a lot of parents appreciate when we take a, the right. time to to 
um, talk about this stuff and especially what's going on even just in our own church. And so we'll do this again. We've got, I know, another series coming up that, that you and Josh and I are, are potentially going to do that mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to. So it'll be, be fun to have you back on. But thanks for today. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. All right.